Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And please be sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube and wherever you find us on social media. Hit the little bell, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Professor Roberto Di Mattei. And we're going to be discussing his new book, St. Pius V, the legendary pope who excommunicated Queen Elizabeth I, standardized the mass, and defeated the Ottoman Empire. Now, for those of you, which I couldn't imagine why or how, uh, for those of you who do not know uh, Professor Di Mattei, he is a Catholic historian who has taught at several Italian universities. Between 2003 and 2011, he served as vice president of the National Research Council, the highest Italian scientific institution. He is the president of the Lepanto Foundation and is the editor of the magazine Radici Cristiane and the news agency Correspondenza Romana. He is the author of 35 books, including the Second Vatican Council, an unwritten story, translated into eight languages, and also Love for the Papacy and Filial Resistance to the Pope in the History of the Church in 2019. He has received many awards, including membership in the Order of St. Gregory the Great from the Holy See for his service to the Roman Catholic Church. He is married with five children. Now, this is what Cardinal Raymond Burke had to say about the book, quote, Professor DiMatteis's new biography of Pope St. Pius V not only nourishes the mind with the truth, but inspires the heart to live the truth in love by following Jesus Christ. Professor Roberto DiMatteis, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Professor, we usually start with a prayer because all good things start with a prayer, and this is a good thing. In the name, name of the, the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. St. Dominic, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. All right. Professor, let's jump right into it. Pius V is widely recognized as one of the boldest and most courageous popes of the past millennia. For those of our listeners who don't know, in his papacy, Catholic Europe decisively defeated the Ottoman Turks at the Battle of Lepanto and fought head-on the Protestant Reformation, which had assailed the church. Professor, can you talk about why you wrote this book now in the year 2021, and what can Catholics learn today and practically apply from the life of Pius V in the here and now? Uh, yes, the, there are two reasons why I wrote this book 
um, on Paris the 5th. The first reason it is that uh, next uh, uh, October, the 7th of October of this year, it is uh, uh, the 450th uh, anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto. Uh, and so we will uh, comm commemorate this important uh, anniversary, which is uh, closed. Uh, it, it is uh, closely tied to the name of, of St. Pius uh, the V. This is a first, uh, a first reason. A, a second reason, it is uh, because uh, we live in a, in a moment of a profound crisis of, of the church. And I think that we need uh, models. Uh, uh, models of bishops uh, and of course also models uh, of um, of Pope and um, and uh, Pius V uh, repre represents uh, a, a model of a uh, uh, holy 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 Pope and I think that it is uh, it is uh, it, it is important because uh, the uh, the holy popes uh, in the history so no not only of course. Uh, Pius the fifth, but um, there were many, many holy popes, uh, Saint Gregory the Great, or the Saint Gregory the, 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 uh, the seventh, uh, or Saint Pius the tenth, uh, or blessed Pius the ninth, uh, many, many others. Uh, I think that uh, they are always current because they represent in universal. And among the popes of the modern era, Pius V seems to me one of the most current for his holiness in governing the church and also for the um, richness of his teaching. Excellent. I'm just curious, uh, Professor Roberto Di Mattei, you're on the front line with Joe and Joe at the, on the Veritas Catholic Network. You know, when, when the, the modern culture hears Catholics talking about battle, okay, obviously the, the people think in their mind, you know, we're thinking in terms of, let's say, situations like Lepanto, where there was an actual battle. But we're in, a, we're, we're in an extreme battle now. There was, you know, at Lepanto, the, the Catholic Church fought against the Ottoman Turks and basically saved Europe. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I wish others would acknowledge that there would probably Europe would have been a lot different in the last 400 or so years had it not been for actions of Pius V. The life of every Christian is a battle, and St. Pius V offers, offers us a luminous example of leadership in a time of trial. In your view, what's the battle now? What's the greatest trial facing the Catholic Church today, Professor DiMatteo, and what should yes. the response from everyday Catholics in the pews yes. be? Yes, um, first of all, uh, we have to say that the church has never professed pacifism. I mean that, for example, in the, in, in the first three centuries uh, of the history of, of, of the church, Christians uh, were faithful soldiers um, of the Roman Empire. They refused to sacrifice to idols but they did not refuse military service. They were brave and loyal soldiers. And St. Paul V instilled this spirit, this militant spirit in the, uh, in the army that fought and won at Lepanto. And I am um, convinced that this Spirit, this militant spirit belongs to, to us because um, today 
uh, Lepanto is uh, not the banner of an or but it is the symbol of an attitude of spirit the spirit uh, 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 the, the, the spirit of, of a militant um, way of, of life and this spirit is a fruit of the blood shed by our Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary. Uh, unfortunately, it does not uh, seem to me um, the spirit of, of the church today, but it, this is why I think it is important to, to reconquest this uh, um, spiritual and cultural uh, spirit. You know, that's interesting. You used the, the word militant. Um, and I want to basically elaborate on that a little bit for our listeners. You know, it hasn't changed with regard to church teaching that the faithful on earth are the church militant. I mean, that is a perennial teaching of the church. And what do we mean by militant? Uh, we're in the world. We're not of the world. We're not to go along with the ways of the world, we are supposed to be uh, salt and light in the world. That goes from the cardinals to the pope to the average layperson in any country throughout the world. Talk a little bit about that, giving some, um, I guess, light to the idea of church militant, what it means and what we're supposed to be and do. Uh, as you, you said, the first point, is uh, uh, the relationship between the Christian with the, the world. I mean that uh, um, the, the mission, the, the, the goal that uh, Jesus Christ gave to his uh, apostles was uh, to, to conquer the world, to evangelize, uh, to, to, to diffuse the gospel uh, until the, the the, the, uh, until the limits of, of the, you know, all the all, all the earth, and uh, and uh, and for example, uh, the, the the missionary spirit. I mean, the the spirit of missionaries was a militant spirit. The the the. I mean, uh, uh, who. Um, their uh, blood, the, the, they gave to, to the truth. It was a militant, uh, it was a militant spirit. Um, I don't see difference, bit, for example, between the, the idea, the concept of martyrdom and the idea of crusade, because either the, the, the martyr or the crusader are Christian uh, who are ready uh, to 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 to, uh, to give their blood for their life to sacrifice their their life for Jesus Christ, uh, and um, this is a, a militant spirit. It's uh, the idea that uh, there is something higher than our body, than our uh, temporal life. Something more important, something higher, um, we, we, which needs uh, our um, sacrifice, and um, so, so I think this is a first idea of of a of a military spirit. I, I want to expand on that just one bit, and then we're going to get on to Luther. 
um, <clears throat> there, you know, obviously, you know, not all of us will be called to uh, martyrdom in the sense of a red martyrdom. The church defines two types of martyrdom, red and white. However, most of us are called to a white martyrdom. What does that mean for our listeners? To die to ourselves completely. Most of us do that through family. A man dies for himself, for his family. As Joe uh, Pasillo read in the bio, uh, Professor DiMatteo, you have five children. You die for your family. You die in service for your community. That is exactly. white martyrdom. That is what we're all called to do. Talk about that because that is a militant spirit. Yes, um, um, I think that uh, that uh, th th this is the example of uh, Lepanto as the example of the, the, of the Crusades. Today, the Crusades are considered an embarrassing page in the history of the Church, uh, but uh, but the Crusades and the Battle of Lepanto, Lepanto is more than a historical event. The, the, these episodes are first and foremost a perennial ca category of the Christian spirit, uh, because uh, to offer one's uh, life is the greatest form of love and the most perfect act of charity, as it makes us perfectly imitators of Jesus and uh, um, rightly you say for example you can uh, die for defending your family for defending your country and it, this is very very good but uh, there is something uh, higher than um, die for um, your family on the for your country and and uh, it is uh, to die for the church why it is higher because you know um, for example, uh, uh, um, if you fight for defending your country against uh, external enemies, yesterday, for example, the, the Muslims or today other enemies, uh, it, it is a, a, legitimate, a legitimate war, uh, a just war, but uh, you, you, you defend uh, material frontiers which is uh, right <laughs> but uh, uh, it, when when you you become martyr or when you fight uh, for the church and you die for the church um, you, you, your your blood is shed for a, a, a spiritual uh, ideal which is a, which is higher and so if martyrdom is the act with which a Christian is prepared to sacrifice his life uh, to preserve his own faith, a crusade in or the Battle of Lepanto in its uh, most profound motivations uh, stands out as the action with which a Christian is prepared to offer his, his own life for the supernatural good of his neighbor, defending him through uh, combat. In, in this sense, uh, I, I say that uh, crusade and the martyrdom, uh, Lepanto and uh, martyrdom have a, a, a common origin in that they are both uh, profound dimensions of a, a, a spiritual combat. And in this sense, I think that Lepanto is a permanent category of the Christian soul 
which uh, over time may fall out uh, or, or fall out of fashion, but never disappears. And uh, and and um, Pope Pius V was the uh, incarnation of uh, this spirit, because he was the Pope who created the uh, Holy League against the Muslims. Um, he sent a, a military fleet to 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 fight in this uh, in, in this war. Uh, he prayed for the success, for the victory, and uh, he obtained a victory. Uh, he, and so it is a model um, not only of a warrior, not only of, of a fighter, but it is a model of, also of a, a winner. He was a winner pope, a holy and a winner pope. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello, and we are way in the breach with Professor Roberto Di Mattei. We are discussing his new book, St. Pius V, the legendary pope who excommunicated Queen Elizabeth I, standardized the mass, and defeated the Ottoman Empire. Professor Di Mattei, one of the things that Joe and I do on our podcast and we do on this show is, um, as, as Catholics, you know, our battle, obviously, uh, many times is against simply lies, lies that are told, uh, particularly lies about the church. Um, and there's a lot of categories, uh, you know, within which people lie. One of them you just, we just went through is, you know, Lepanto or the Crusades. You know, the Crusades are seen as something embarrassing, which if anybody knows, as you alluded to, if anything knows, anybody knows anything about the Crusades, you know, there's nothing embarrassing about it. And the same spirit of the Crusades and the same spirit that fought at Lepanto um, fought against the Reformation. And one of the lies that Joe and I try to blow up is it was not a res it was not a reformation. A reformation would not have led to the creation of the Protestant Church. There would have been a reform of the of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Now you in your book you discuss how Pius V dealt with what you call the revolution of Luther. I'm find I find that very interesting. So please uh, if you would Professor Dimate elaborate on that for our, our listeners the revolution of Luther. Yes. Uh, we have to remember that um, um, for many centuries uh, Europe um, had formed a single under the spiritual uh, authority of the papacy and the temple authority of the Holy Roman Empire during uh, the, the in the uh, 16th uh, century during the the reign of uh, Emperor uh, Charles V and uh, the Pope uh, Leo X uh, Martin Luther fractured um, this uh, religious unity and uh, there is a profound uh, difference between uh, a reformation and a, a, a revolution because uh, during uh, his history the uh, her history the church has known many 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 reformers uh, the reformation is often uh, necessary for the church but a reformation means uh, to to uh, to go back uh, to, 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 the, to, to, to the true spirit, uh, to, 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 to the true doctrine of the church. Uh, to, so it is a fight 
against the abuses, against the co corruption, but without changing any 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 point of the of the doctrine. On the contrary, a revolution is something which um, wants to change uh, everything. And uh, and uh, unfortunately, the, the Luther's revolution, or the Protestant revolution, was uh, uh, the refusal the refusal not of the corruption of the church, which it would be right, but the refusal of the of the papacy, of the authority of, of the church. So um, Luther was excommunicated. In that time, the, the sovereigns were Christian sovereigns. Some, some kings, some sovereigns became Protestant, some other um, who were stay uh, uh, Catholic, and there was also an internal um, war uh, inside the Christendom. Uh, so, so Pope uh, Pius V uh, had to fight against the external enemies, the 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 the, 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 the Muslim, uh, and but also a, a, there was a second uh, enemy, the Protestant. Uh, Heresy, and uh, and um, it is interesting that uh, on his tomb of Pius the Fifth in Santa Maria Maggiore, um, we see some of uh, um, of the more important episodes uh, of this struggle. So um, there is on, on, on the left of his tomb, uh, seated on his throne and um, he, he hands uh, the banner of the Christian fleet to Don John of Austria, who is the winner of the Battle of Lepan, the military winner, because the spiritual winner was, uh, was Pius V. Uh, and uh, on the right, we see Pius V handing the captain's staff to the Count of Santa Fiora, who was the victor of, of, over the Protestant Huguenots in, uh, in, in France. So you, you, you see, this was uh, um, the, the external enemies uh, and the internal enemies, uh, Muslims and, um, and, uh, and, 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 and the pro Protestant. Uh, where the, the enemies by the fifth fought, and uh, and in, in this sense, I think that uh, the the anniversary of the Battle of Lepant, of which uh, 450 years occur this year, is very important because uh, also today we have to fight again external and internal enemies. I, I want to uh, expand on that a little bit, uh, Professor. Um, I want to juxtapose the revolution of Luther to what we're seeing in Germany currently. Um, the papacy very clearly made a statement regarding same-sex marriage, and uh, the clerics of Germany seem to be uh, refuting it very strongly. Uh, speak to that a little bit. While Luther clearly... Uh, you know, branched off in a sense and formed a quote unquote uh, Protestant, you know, well, it was a Protestant uh, form of the faith. Um, they're in a sense in a quasi schism now. It just hasn't been declared. Elaborate on that because it's in the news a lot and I'm very interested in your opinion. Yes. And view. Uh, yes, yes. What do you say is very, very, is very interesting. 
Um, and uh, what is happening is exactly the, this. I mean, uh, that the, there is a, a, a strong movement of bishops in, in Germany who would like to change uh, the, the, the Catholic Church as um, Martin Luther did. Um, but uh, what, what is the difference between uh, Luther and uh, and these uh, these these bishops? Uh, I think that the, the difference is this: that um, uh, Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther, um, um, broke the, uh, the, the 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 unity of the church. He went out uh, of, of the church. He created a a, a new church. Uh, he made, he made a, a schism, uh, and uh, so the, 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 um, there was a Protestant church uh, against uh, Luther, Calvin, and all, all, all the other Protestant leaders. Um, in, in the last century, uh, inside the church, there is a, a new movement called modernism, uh, which uh, has, uh, has understood that uh, it is for changing uh, the church, for changing, I mean, uh, the, the doctrine, uh, the sacraments, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the identity of the church, uh, is more helpful to stay inside the church, uh, within the church, rather, uh, rather to, to go out. And so, um, and so this, is, this is the problem that uh, um, these uh, German bishops, uh, as you say, they want, uh, for example, uh, the, they want um, ordered uh, women uh, ordered as priests, uh, the marriage of priests, uh, and uh, many others, uh, revolutionary changes. But at the same time, they wanted to stay into the church. They, so it would be more coherent to create, as Lutero did, Luther did, a new church. But they don't want to create a new church. They want, they want to change uh, the, the Catholic Church. And so uh, there is, a, uh, they are heretics, in my view. Uh, they are heretics because they profess uh, errors or heresies. But uh, there is no an official schism uh, because officially they are uh, they are uh, the, for example recently Cardinal Marx uh, um, renounced to to his to to, to the um, he he was the the, the the Archbishop of Munich in Bayern um, he 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 he, he um, abdicated uh, but. Uh, uh, but he he is because he he doesn't uh, he he wants a, a more profound change in the in the church, but it, he's always in in, in in inside the, the church. This, this is the real uh, the real uh, the real problem. The difference uh, between our time and the time of Pius the the, the fifth. 
We have about a minute and a half, Professor Roberto DiMattei discussing his new book at the front line with Joe and Joe, St. Pius V, the legendary pope who excommunicated Queen Elizabeth I, standardized the mass and defeated the Ottoman Empire. And we'll give all our listeners uh, the information where they could buy the book. Um, in about a minute and a half, uh, Professor DiMattei, and then we'll come back after the break. Um, how do, how do uh, lay people, how should we be reacting to this? Um, what, what, what should we do? Or how could we voice our opposition? Let's say as American Catholics, Joe and I were obviously, we're in New Jersey. What could we do? I think that uh, today laity is a a very important uh, role in uh, the current crisis of uh, the church. What what, uh, what laymen can do in this moment? Uh, I think um, very simply that they have to, 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 to remain faithful to the, to the church, what this means. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, the, the, in the church, in the Catholic Church, there are three important elements. The, fir- the first is the doctrine. Uh, the, uh, uh, and so I think that uh, um, we need to, 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 to be faithful to, to, to the true doctrine of uh, the, the church, uh, the church to the true faith, uh, not change uh, any, any, anything, anything. So this is the first point. But uh, this, the second point, uh, it is uh, also uh, to have um, a, a, a concrete attitude, a be- behavior, um, coherent with our ideas, with our faith, because uh, if uh, you 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 act in a different way from your faith, uh, you you will finish to change your faith. And Professor so- Dimate, let me cut you off. I apologize for one second. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back. Um, where you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello, having a fascinating conversation with Professor Roberto Dimate discussing his new book. Uh, and the person who's central to his new book, St. Pius V. So you're listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Network. Please be sure to download our app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And we have another, we have another segment with Professor DiMatteis, so stick around. You're not going to want to miss it. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello, and man, are we in the breach with Professor Roberto DiMattei discussing his new book, St. Pius V, the legendary pope who excommunicated Queen Elizabeth I, standardized the mass, and defeated the Ottoman Empire. So, uh, Professor, so you were saying there's three things that lay people could do. You mentioned a couple, so if you want to finish that thought. Yes, uh, so the first is to be faithful to, to the, the, the church. The second, uh, to, to the doctrine of the church. The second is uh, to be coherent with uh, your ideas, with our ideas. But uh, for being um, coherent, it's not so easy. And so we need uh, the help of the sacraments. 
And so it is very important that the divine, uh, the, the help of the divine grace, and uh, we can obtain this help, this divine help um, by the sacraments. Uh, the third point, uh, it is uh, to remember that the church is not only a, a spiritual um, um, entity as, may, as the Protestants uh, think, but it is uh, also a, a, the Catholic Church as a, 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 an East institutional di dimension. I mean, it is, a, uh, yes, it is an institution. It is a visible society. And so, um, and so it is very important to, to not to break the, the relationship with, uh, with our pastors because uh, uh, there, there is a, the, the Pope, some car the cardinals, the bishops, the priests. Of course, uh, you can have a good and uh, bad uh, priests, and it is important uh, to, to, to separate yourself uh, by, by, by bad uh, priests, but it is important to, to, to to stay, to, to be uh, united with a good uh, priest. I mean, not to, to lose uh, the, the, um, uh, the, the relationship uh, uh, with the hierarchy of, of, of the church, with the, the visible authority of, of the church. This is, um, in my view, the third point. And, uh, and then uh, to, to remember also that uh, uh, we are in a, uh, in a very difficult war, and uh, we 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 have to to fight uh, uh, with um, uh, strength with um, strength uh, with force, but also with balance. Uh, and uh, because if you, if you are not balanced, uh, you 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 risk to to fall down. Uh, and uh, we 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 have to. Uh, to, to remember this and uh, and with uh, the uh, the help uh, of God we will win our battle. I, I would agree with you, Professor. I, I want to carry on an idea that we had on the other side of the break. Um, clearly, in your book, you demonstrate that Pius V was uh, successful and effective in the Counter-Reformation. We also talked about the struggle, the interior struggle and the exterior struggle. And there is an interior struggle going on as we elaborated on the other side uh, regarding the German clerics with regard to same-sex marriage. However, St. Pius V dealt with stray bishops in a very, I think, effective way. Um, talk about how he did that and led to a meaningful reform, both in the church and in the lives of those stray bishops. You see, that's something that I think gets lost in this. Um, please elaborate on that, because I'm interested in your view, and I'm sure our listeners would be as well. Uh, yes, I think that uh, it is very, 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 very important, uh, because uh, um, we um, the, the pontificate of Pius V was the application of the Council of Trent. Uh, this was one of the, more, the most important uh, councils in the um, history of the Church since uh, um, uh, 1546 to uh, 1563, for 18 uh, years, uh, there was this important uh, assembly 
but uh, the, the, the Council of Trent was not only a doctrinal council, doctrinal in the sense that uh, uh, this council condemned um, the errors of, of his time uh, as the Protestant errors, but it was also a pastoral uh, council because uh, a doctrine and pastoral cannot be separated. Uh, and so, uh, and so, one, one um, at the origin of the Protestant errors, there was the corruption of, of the Catholic Church, uh, and um, and the Council of Trent uh, um, wanted to to uh, to restore the the the, 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 the an, an ascetical, uh, serious, uh, uh, and pure life. And uh, what uh, Pius V did was uh, to apply the, 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 the instructions of uh, uh, the Council of Trento to all the, the, the Christendom. He was helped by saints and bishops, because we have to remember that in that uh, epoch, uh, there, there were bad corrupted bishops, but there were also saint bishops, and among them, perhaps the more known, important, was Saint Charles Borromeo, uh, Archbishop of Milan, who, uh, who, who was author of a profound uh, reformation uh, in in his uh, in his diocese of of of, of Milan, and uh, he he was Saint Charles de Borromeo. His support was decisive for the election of Pius V. Excellent. Uh, getting back one uh, to what we spoke about a little earlier, Professor Di Who's joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe? Joe Pasillo, Joe Rasinello were way in the breed in the breach discussing Professor Roberto Di Matteo's new book Saint pa about Saint Pius V. Um, always we talk about lies. That's one of the things, like I said, Professor, we try to do on this show. You, we talked about the the Crusades. Uh, talk a little bit about the Reformation. What about the Inquisition? The Inquisition played a um, played a role, and is well. First of all, it's often misunderstood, and certainly yeah. when you look at Hollywood and other places, uh, they're not going to look at portray the Inquisition in any sort of a positive light. Uh, but how did the role of the Inquisition play in the time of Pius V, and what did the Inquisition enable him to accomplish? The Inquisition is an ecclesiastical tribunal that still exists to today under the name of a congregation for the doctrine of the faith. And the existence of this tribunal is a consequence of the nature of the church, which is, as we said before, is not only an invisible mystical body, but it is also a visible society with, um, with its authorities and its laws, laws and uh, laws given by our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Inquisition was created before Pius V, perhaps 20, 20 years before, but uh, he, he became the before being a pope he became the the most uh, important uh, inquisitor of, of the, the, the he was the head of the inquisition 
And this uh, the Inquisition was created to identify heresy uh, in, in, in a society which was, we have to remember, a Christian society. And so uh, in, in the Christian society of the Middle Age, but also in, in the 16th uh, century, um, um, heresy, um, for example, uh, the, the, the public violation of the first commandment uh, was considered a crime such as theft and uh, murder. And, and uh, um, not the church, but the, the sovereigns, the kings, uh, applied uh, temporal penalties to, to, to the guilty, uh, temporal penalties such, the, such as prison or, in exceptional cases, uh, death. And the church, with the creation of the Inquisition, intervened to ensure that the trials uh, took place on a regular uh, basis. And, and uh, I would like, um, would like to say <laughs> that the scholars, uh, specialists, uh, have shown that the procedure of Inquisition was in fact a step of progress in the history of law because because of the guarantees it granted to the accused and and the seriousness with which the trial was carried carried out so i think it for 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 Part the fifth, the Inquisition was an important instrument for fighting uh, the the, um, uh, the enemies with inside the, the covered enemies, the hidden enemies in, in inside the church. Uh, Professor Dimite, you noted in your book. Um some of the ways that Pius V addressed religious orders, the rotting that took place in some religious orders that ultimately, <coughs> excuse me, needed uh, to be renewed. Um, recently, during the pontificate of Benedict XVI, he removed the head of the Jesuits. He also called them to Rome. That was uh, a historic, I thought, moment um, for them to uh, declare their fidelity to the papacy. I'm not picking on the Jesuits. There are good Jesuits, there are bad Jesuits, just like there are good Dominicans, there are bad Dominicans, just like there are good lay Catholics and there are good bad Catholic, uh, bad lay Catholics, no different. I use that as an example. What could the church learn today with regard to the example of Pius V, how he addressed some of the uh, wayward, um, let's just say, uh, practices in some of the uh, religious orders today, both in the, the, you know, nuns with nuns, as well as with uh, brothers and priests. Uh, yes, Pius um, V was a Dominican, but, uh, and he was very, uh, he loved very much, of course, uh, his Dominican order, and it is interesting that uh, he never dismissed his uh, Dominican habit. The origin of, of the white uh, dress of the popes, you know, in the last century, so all the popes uh, have a white, um, <clears throat> white uh, dress, um, comes from Pius V, who 
took this uh, white dress under the, the um, under the, the papal official um, dress. Uh, but uh, so so he loved very much his Dominican order. But at the same time, uh, he he. Uh, understood very well the, the important role of the, all the religious order in the uh, reformation of the church, because you have to remember that uh, many, many <coughs> religious orders uh, uh, have, have their, their birth in, in this century. They, for example, the more you have a quarter, the more important of them, the, the Jesuit. And is interesting uh, to, to remember also that um, we we have spoken about the, the about Saint Charles Borromeo. Uh, perhaps after Charles Borromeo, the the the, the other the second uh, person uh, uh, more close uh, to to the fifth was Saint uh, Francis Borgia, who was the general, the head, the superior of the of the Jesuits. Uh, he was a really known holy man, and in this in this epoch, uh, the company of Jesus was uh, uh, really uh, a, 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 an extraordinary movement of holiness and good doctrine and uh, <clears throat> there were we can it is enough to remember the name of Saint Francis Xavier the apostle of of the of the east uh, um, of China, Japan, Japan, India, and uh, other countries, and um, but there were also um, minor um, religious order, and uh, what Pius the Fifth did it is to push this order to be faith, faithful to the spirit of their founder. Because the the corruption in the religious orders uh, starts when uh, inside the, these uh, congregations or these uh, religious orders, um, you abandon the the the, the spirit uh, or the orientation or the doctrine of uh, the, the founder. For example, in my view. Uh, Jesuits uh, today. I, I, I have studied in a Jesuit college in Rome, and I have received a good uh, um, formation. But uh, this happened uh, just perhaps uh, during, uh, yes, ju just before or after the Vatican, the Vatican II. But today, uh, for sure, uh, among the Jesuits, uh, there, there are many. Um, many, many, many errors. Many, many, many priests who, who are not faithful, faithful uh, not only to the magisterium of the church, but also not faithful to the spirit of uh, Saint Saint Ignatius, their their founder. I think that if uh, Saint Ignatius was alive today. Perhaps it would be scandalized by the by the ideas or behaviors of uh, of many 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 Jesuits. So I think that what it is important uh, it is in the religious order uh, 
to to make uh, uh, to, to to try always uh, for for making a, a, a reformation, but never a, a revolution. Professor Roberto Di Matteo is joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, and we are discussing the central figure of his new book, St. Pius V. Uh, we have a we have a, about 10 minutes or so, Professor Di Matteo, because uh, we do want to talk about uh, Pope Pius V's, uh, uh, yes, uh, his spiritual life. But real quick, as a matter of history, and again, to try to just shed a little bit of light on lies, we're all taught that Queen Elizabeth was probably the greatest monarch in all of human history, at least if you listen to Hollywood and what they have to say, um, Pius V had to deal with a lot of rebellious people, both in France and England. What led to her excommunication? Uh, um, uh, in, uh, in, in England, um, Pius V uh, he had uh, perhaps uh, the, the, the best friend of him, uh, among the, the sovereigns was uh, Philip II, King of Spain. Uh, but uh, he fought <laughs> about um, his enemies. There were, above all, two women. Uh, the Queen of France, Catherine, and uh, the Queen of England, Elizabeth. Uh, Catherine, Queen of France, was always Catholic. But uh, she was a, a, we can say, um, Protestant friendly, and, and so and so, the um, V was um, um, he was he didn't agree with with her. The case of Elizabeth uh, the first Elizabeth Tudor is more grave because Elizabeth. Um, took uh, the, the throne after a real Catholic queen, Mary, Mary, Mary the Catholic. Mary the Catholic was married uh, with uh, the King of Spain, Philip II. And so uh, the, 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 um, the fifth thought that there was the possibility for Philip of Spain to become king uh, king of England because he was the legitimate uh, heir, and um, and um, Elizabeth was very hypocritical because because uh, she imprisoned uh, Mary the Queen Mary Stuart, uh, Queen of Scotland, and who was a Catholic. And that there was a rebellion of Catholics in 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 in, in England during the reign of the of Queen Elizabeth, and Pius V gave a, a psychological, a spiritual, and also economical support to the the rebels. But for him, the real rebel was the Queen. Because the, the queen was a rebel against the uh, against the Catholic religion, uh, and uh, and the, the and so he encouraged the he he excommunicated her, and it was an act of deep courage. This excommunication, uh, I think, it is a, one of the more important. Uh, 
acts of his pontificate uh, because this uh, excommunication gave uh, courage to many many catholics uh, and uh, um, if uh, uh, if uh, there were many um, martyrs many missionaries uh, uh, in the second um, the, in the second half of the uh, 16th century it was because this uh, uh, attitude of um, of Pius V, who was exactly the, the antithetic, for example, to what we what we call the Ostpolitik uh, in the history in the recent history. Ostpolitik is the name we give, for example, to the um, politic of. Uh, um, um, Paul the um, Paul the sixth, um, John the twenty third, and then uh, Paul the sixth uh, was uh, um, Soviet uh, Soviet Union. No, in an appeasement, uh, um, the idea that uh, with uh, uh, the dialogue uh, it would be possible uh, to to change to transform uh, the the. Um, uh, totalitarianism but what happened was exactly the contrary i mean that uh, with this uh, ostpolitik uh, politics of dialogue uh, catholic and not only catholic uh, christian generally were persecuted persecuted more than before in uh, in, in the eastern country under communism uh, the idea of Pope of Pius V was exactly the opposite, uh, and uh, um, and the, the the British Catholic, the English Catholic, um, liked very much uh, this uh, support, this uh, spiritual support uh, of Pius V because they fought against uh, the, the the Protestant Queen. And uh, they uh, and they they were very happy to to have uh, uh, Pope, Pope uh, uh, the Pope Pius V uh, closer to to, to them. Uh, Professor Professor we want to talk a little bit about the Pope's spiritual life, but I want to comment on what you just said regarding the excommunication of. Uh, Queen Elizabeth. The idea of excommunication is obviously to bring that person back into the fold. You cut them off with the idea that they are a son or a daughter of the church, that one day that they will reform their ideas in their life. A little history in, in terms of America during the time of segregation in the city of New Orleans, the archbishop excommunicated a politician who would not uh, go along with integrating African-Americans as well as uh, with their, their brothers and sisters who were white. And as a result of that excommunication, that gentleman on his deathbed recanted his position and uh, went to confession and obviously was brought back into the fold. That's the idea of excommunication. Talk about that for just a minute, and then I want to talk, uh, switch gears and talk about uh, the, the, the sanctity and the prayer life of Pius V. The idea that excommunication is addressing um, something in a strong way in order for that person to reflect at the dire consequences of their actions. Um, I, I can ask you, uh, should the Catholic Church excommunicate, for example, pro-abortion politicians like uh, 
President Biden or others, I think that uh, the church has, um, um, has not only spiritual weapons to defend the truth, uh, but uh, one of the spiritual weapons, I mean, I mean spiritual weapons, uh, is excommunication. And so I believe that uh, public heretic should be excommunicated. Um, um, Queen Elizabeth uh, or, uh, for example, a pro-abortion uh, leader. No, a, a politician leader who defend publicly abortion or homosexuality or any public denial of divine and natural law. So I think that it is in this way the church would affirm her moral authority. See, the church is not, is not a political institution. It is a spiritual and a moral institution. It is the highest institution in the world. But... Uh, but, but because the mission of the church, it is to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ, uh, she, she has the right, she has the duty of, um, for excommunicating uh, uh, public, uh, uh, public uh, sinners. I think I think it's important to emphasize to our viewers, and then we have a couple of minutes left, uh, Professor Roberto DiMatteo. I think it's important uh, when we talk about excommunication, particularly, let's say, pro-abortion politicians. Abortion is a battle that's going to be with us whether or not uh, Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or anybody is excommunicated. We have to emphasize and make sure we tell people, as you just did and as Joe just did, it is for the good of the person. The battle for abortion is going to be here whether Joe Biden is excommunicated or not. The, the, the struggle against abortion will continue. It's for the good of their own souls. Professor Roberto DiMattei, we have about two and a half minutes left. Give our audience an idea, because underlying it all, you mentioned in the first segment, the segment about the need for grace in the sacraments, okay, um, yeah. in fighting battles. Talk about, uh, for our audience, uh, Pope St. Pius V's spiritual life. You have about two minutes left, Professor. Yes. Um, I think that the history of the 16th century uh, teaches us that uh, the true reformers uh, are the saints uh, um, who uh, have not attributed the faults of men to the church, but have assumed those those faults upon themselves in the image of our Lord. So the, the, the saints, as Pius V was, they did not claim to change the constitution of the church, but they strove to change themselves and through their examples to change to change uh, to change others. And I think that it, this is one of the more important uh, um, legacy of Pius, uh, of Pius the, 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 the fifth. The, the whole life of Pius V was a, 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 a combat. This is also in another, another legacy. And today, uh, another battle is unfolding, more dramatic uh, and uh, uncertain. And uh, I think that St. Pius V, with the example of his life, a life of a holy pope, a, a, a true reformer, a true reformer of the church, but also a true 
uh, a true uh, defender, defensor of the church, he continues to assist the church militant from, from heaven. The church milit this uh, church militant whose destiny um, was uh, entrusted into uh, his hands for only for six years. Six Professor years. Di Matei, unfortunately, we have to leave it yes. there. Professor only, only, only to say that his mission is not over and that he appears as a model of the pastor of the church that the Christian people urgently need. It awesome. Awesome. It's a great way to end it. Professor Roberto Di Matei's new book, St. Pius V, the legendary pope who excommunicated Queen Elizabeth I, standardized the mass and defeated the Ottoman Empire. Professor, where could uh, our listeners buy your book? Thank you. Thank you very much. Professor, where could our listeners buy your book? Well, Sophia Press. Well, we know that we, I think we lost Professor, but we know that he, you could buy the book at Sophia Institute Press, and I'm sure it's available on Amazon.com. So we want to thank um, Professor Roberto DiMatteo for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. And we want to thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for joining us here on the Veritas Catholic Network, bringing the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area, 1350 on your AM dial. For all Veritas content, please be sure to download our Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. And also please follow Joe and I on social media, primarily Facebook and YouTube, until they shut us down, of course. And like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell, do all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>